it's it's super satisfying for me to know that we're able to get a story out um, that that what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do. So bringing back that sort of old-fashioned hospitality, being more than just a vehicle for food, is something I want to be. Having a bit more to it, having a bit more grunt to it, I think is is the satisfying part of of what we're achieving, I guess. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In order to ensure profitability, the modern hospitality world steered towards larger venues with higher turnover and higher cash flow. More bums on seats meant more chances of success. At least that was what the industry thought, but the last year and a half has changed the way many see working hours, trading hours, and restaurant sizes too. It's changing the shape of the industry yet again. Stacey Connor is the chef and co-owner of Humble on Duke in Sunshine Beach, Noosa, Queensland. Stacey, how are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you, Anthony. You've opened the tiniest of venues uh, in the last year and a half. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so we've um, we've opened a pretty small venue. We're, we're 14... 14 seats, um, so super small, and, you know, we're really trying to focus on, on um, you know, making, making everything in-house, keeping everything, um, you know, made, made there and really putting a bit of love into it, um, really focusing on sort of good old-fashioned hospitality and service, and it's just, just myself and my partner. We just have um, one or two others on the floor and a kitchen hand in, in the kitchen. So it's just me me in there focusing on, on cooking and really um, sort of making sure everything's, everything's how I want it to be, um, which is nice. And I think, you know, really getting back to making everything myself again, you know, um, for so many years I've sort of, sort of for four or five years, I suppose, I've, I've been standing on the pass and sending food and con- sort of controlling a kitchen um, and now I can sort of get back to the, the, the love of it all and, and making bread and making pasta um, every day. So, yeah, it's really satisfying. You've been involved in some pretty incredible uh, larger restaurants in your career, which we'll get to. But what, what led to the decision to open such a small venue? I think, um, you know, I think when you get to sort of 20 years in the, in the industry, um, there can be a sort of element of... of frustration um in wanting to actually get things right every time and get back to the basics and start making you know as i said bread pasta ourselves um and things like that and there's so many you know so many times you're sort of so focused on pumping 200 covers out the door that you know it's hard to feel that love and satisfaction in the food and the service sometimes um, so I think that's what, you know, we had the opportunity um, to, to take it. And I think that's really what we wanted to focus on, my partner and I, you know, that element of, of satisfaction that we, we get from, from the love of the industry that we do and really focus on that. You didn't grow up in Noosa. You're originally from New Zealand and born in Invercargill. Take us back to your childhood. What, what role did food play in your childhood? You know, looking back on it, I think it, it was a pretty huge part. I think I was fairly obsessed with food from a pretty young age. I was always sort of watching 
food cooking shows, um, always getting mum to tape all the cooking shows. And I used to sort of sit there and watch even the like knife infomercials and things like that, you know, um, which is you know, pretty funny when I think back on it, how obsessed I sort of was. But, um, you know, mum and, and my nana, my nana was a baker. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, always having, you know, there was always a lot of cooking around me and dad had his own, you know, we had our own vegetable garden, um, which is not something you sort of see a lot of, of nowadays, but, you know, he still has it. And I think, you know, potting peas and picking the carrots out of the garden and growing my own radishes and things like that, uh, you know, that's super nostalgic for me now, but, um, it, you know, it was a big, it was a huge part of it, you know, like, um, sitting around the dinner table and and just or sitting up on the bench and watching watching mum cook, you know, not necessarily being able to get in there myself, but you know, um, watching it watching it sort of all happen, I was pretty pretty intensely interested in it. I think you weren't always going to be a chef. At uh, the age of twenty, you joined the navy. Tell us about that period of time. Yeah, so I was I'd already um, finished sort of my qualifications as, as a chef, but um, I think I was sort of looking for a, a ticket out of where I was, so to grow. You know, I was in a small town um, at the time in Vicargo. You know, it's a small place, and I sort of worked worked around in Vicargo and worked at some great great restaurants. But there's a sort of period of time where you feel like god there's nowhere else I can go and I knew that I needed to move somewhere else and I always wanted to be either in the police force or in some kind of military um when I was a bit younger and it was sort of one of the directions I thought I might take so I decided the navy and a chef might be a way into that um and a way out of you know where I was and uh, you know, a, a new period, a new sort of evolution and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I joined the Navy when I was uh, 20, 21, I think. And then um, I was only in for a fairly short period because, you know, I guess I already had a taste of hospitality and, and what it was. So what I got from the Navy, I think, was, um, you know, I think the camaraderie and the routine and the discipline that I picked up there. Um, and... You know, once once sort of my training was over with that side and the physical aspect of it all, getting through all the Navy part of the training, you know, I was essentially a chef again. And for me, sort of being a chef in the Navy wasn't, I realised it wasn't going to go, obviously it was never going to be a creative element to it, or but you never push the way you are sort of in the industry. And I realised I, I, I really sort of missed that. So... Um, I decided to to leave and but to stay in Auckland and and to sort of pursue the whole hospitality side of that because it's I realised that was sort of my passion I suppose and I wanted to continue that. You made a move to the Cook Islands at a five star resort. What was what was that like compared to cooking in the Navy? Yeah, look, that was um, that was definitely experiences on Ashitaki and the small sort of fairly secure secluded um island there and um like it was it was an interesting experience I think I was but you know in my mid 20s and you know I think I think if I had been a bit older it would have been a more sort of um settled experience for me but you know when you're on an island it's sort of you get a bit of cabin fever after a while but um you know the resort was beautiful and I think I picked up quite a lot of um, sort of Pacific influence in my cooking for a little bit there after working 
working um, over in the islands. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful space. Unbelievable. When you return from the islands, you, you got a job with Dave Verhol, which is a famous chef in Australia now with uh, Embler in Melbourne. What, what was he like to work with and what, what did you take from that period of time? Yeah, I think um, I probably only worked a sort of period of about six or eight months with Dave. Um, and it was, it was quite enlightening, I think, for me because he's very creative, passionate, chef and he's he's um probably probably one of the most you know um passionate chefs I've, I've probably met and um i think from for me at that time i was, I was sort of in my mid-20s i was about 25 and i was probably going through a lot of self-discovery in that that period working there um and not necessarily you know um how passionate I am about the industry now. I was sort of in a phase of, God, what you know, is this the right space for me? Is this is is this the right career for me? Even you know, um, but I think there was a lot of realization after working with someone like Dave because you realize you either need to go up or you 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 know you're not going to be a chef anymore, sort of thing. So I think. You know, after working with him, I realised I needed to do more research. I needed to read the right books, you know, because you're only as good as the books you read, you know, and and just become a little bit more obsessed or into it, and and um, you know, and just do my research really, I think, and and get more involved in in cooking. Um, so after after I worked with him, I started doing more competitions. Um, up in Auckland and, and actually trying to be more creative and pushing myself um, outside the, the box I was in. And I think I, I gained a lot more more passion from that. I think that carried with me for, for a while. And I still think of, think of Dave's food now. You know, it's been a long time, but I still feel that's, that's a sort of influence on me, even though it was that short period of time. Auckland's uh, food scene was really evolving at that time and Sean Connolly was making an, an impact there. You joined him. He's a bit of an enigma and a very celebrated chef in Australia. What, what was he like to work for? I think, you know, my time, I, I started at the grill um, with Sean Connolly and, you know, I started off as, as a demi-chef, which I'd, I'd sort of already been sort of every sort of role. I'd sort of been, you know, a chef to party. I'd been a head chef. I'd sort of didn't know where I was at. And I started this role um, at the grill as, as a demi-chef. I'd sort of been been in a few places, and I was like – and I fe- always felt like um, I was quite nurtured and I was quite look, well, very well looked after. Um, at the grill, I ended up staying there, you know, you know, two years. And during my time and meeting Sean, he was, you know, I remember one day it was the, probably like the first or second time I met Sean, um, and he took me aside after service, and he he just we had a glass of wine, and he just thanked me, you know, and he said thank you for you know the work you're doing. I really appreciate it. I think you're doing a great job, sort of thing. And we want to see you, you know, develop. And I think. Yeah, for me, he used to come once a month, maybe to the grill, you know, from Australia and whatnot, and um, and I think that was the turning point for me. I think, you know, I almost fell over, like, <laughs> like it was sort of like someone thanked you, and I felt appreciated, and I I felt 
I felt good at my job again, you know, like not that I didn't feel good at my job, but it was sort of a bit of valid validation, which I think is, is sometimes required, you know, and, and that made me really want to pursue being there and, and move up and step up and, and, um, you know, and I think that carried down in the hierarchy with, with Sean too, some great sort of mentors that I, that I had there. And, um, and I, I just felt really looked after and appreciated. And I think that's something I always take with me, you know, throughout my teams is, is just a simple thank you sometimes is all people need, you know. You went on to uh, work on different projects with Sean Connolly in Adelaide and in Dubai as well. Tell us about how different it was um, going to those uh, places and creating restaurants for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, moving to Adelaide was was huge. You know, I, I sort of never seen that that sort of coming. But um, you know, they needed needed some chefs over there that knew knew Sean's food and how his philosophies and how he wanted things to be. And you know, I sort of took that opportunity and. Uh, like it's it's just amazing where things sort of take you it's sort of those periods in time where you think god where would I be now if I hadn't have done that or hadn't have worked you know hadn't have worked there but um like it was an incredible experience you know uh, <laughs> the first couple of days I was in Adelaide you know we we're doing six or seven hundred covers a day and you you know you <laughs> you're standing you're standing at the grill for for sort of 12 hours you know just cooking steaks like it was it was a real it was a real experience a real sort of whirlwind spirit experience and I was there for sort of a couple years and then I wanted to sort of do the next thing with Sean you know which was huge as well like how incredible is it opening up a restaurant at the Dubai Opera House (laughs) like why you know um it just seemed sort of mental but yeah it was it was pretty surreal actually when I think back on it yeah what was life like in Dubai for you? Can you take us uh, back? Do you have any memories of some of the challenges of pulling a restaurant together there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, um, like, I, I wasn't particularly there when when the restaurant was being built, but setting things up, um, you know, I think everything's a lot more of a challenge in a foreign country, obviously, you know, like language barriers and, you know, the people that you're working with that have different um different ways of doing things and there's different standards as well so I think um you know everything's a lot harder when when the standards are different um for people so you know there's the logistics of all that and I think the living the living side of things in Dubai um was probably the biggest challenge you know um just going to the bank and opening a bank account can be like a two-month process you know so (laughs) it's just you know the lifestyle things is is always a challenge and you realize you know that you've you've really got to take your patience to that next level when you're working with a certain certain um people but um like it's one of those things you put down as another experience in your box which is incredible you know like I spent spent a year over there and yeah it was a huge learning experience and learning curve. How did you end up in in Queensland? Yeah so my partner's family is in lived in Toowoomba so um, we were just sort of like we both ended up moving back Um, she moved back a little bit before me and sort of started gearing up for when I was coming back and and then um, I ended up moving back and we sort of both um, 
decided that we wanted to save and you know so we we were lucky enough to sort of um stay with her parents for a good year and a half i think it was and and sort of go overseas and spend a fair amount of time overseas and do our research over there because eventually obviously we wanted to open our own place um and you know we spent a year and a half or so there and we we worked in a beautiful little winery um and called rosalie house and so we were both there working um which was a great experience to work together before we obviously opened our own business um together to test it out in someone else's business first <laughs> um but yeah and then and then we ended up um after a year and a half there we we're like well we sort of want to be by the ocean which is, is sort of where we we feel our best um and we moved to yeah moved to noosa which is where we wanted to be. What was it like working together for the first time? Were there challenges in that life sort of work balance? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's always, it's always hard. You always need to make time for yourself, um, which is, is, can be challenging sometimes. But I think for me, the, probably the nicest thing was to realise how good my partner is at her job like you never sort of realized you know my partner had sort of been working in the banks and and working in debt collection but her original um what she studied was was hospitality but you know the the role she could get at the time um weren't quite right they weren't full-time so she went and ended up going taking a different road um and then you know realizing when we came back that you know we would like to open something together so let's see how we go working together and and realizing that you know um she's just a, as good as some very well experienced you know people that i've worked with um which was quite inspiring you know i realized we could actually probably make our make our sort of dream come true and opening a restaurant when when that happens so it's it's pretty cool how does living in noosa area impact on your work-life balance as you um, work and uh, live together as well yeah i mean like it, for us i think it's it's um we, we love being you know being close to the beach you know i mean that's a huge thing for us um we can take time out and we take our dog for a walk along the beach and we just um we just chill out like that like it's not complicated you know it's it's just really like we sort of enjoy spending time with each other so we're not sort of phased by you know the work and the coming home and sort of spending time with each other i think we can separate that um fairly well nowadays there's all some always something there's always something that might pop up but you know <laughs> we're we're pretty good at being able to separate that that nowadays 14 seat restaurant is not the normal uh restaurant model certainly not in modern hospitality tell us a bit about humble uh, and the menu and and what the offering is there yeah i think the biggest thing that we wanted to do was be able to create a experience for people and and um by doing that you know it, it's mostly a set menu so we offer um one menu where all your snacks come out and they sort of have a um, middle eastern mezze style sort of feel about them and then um we move into to your your mains and your sides where you know, people can choose either you have, you know, your your lamb or your fish or, you know, you sort of, there's sort of an element of choice there, but they are at set prices. So you can either do your, your set um, $68 menu or your set, you know, um, feed me, which is like a series of all 
my sort of and our sort of favourite dishes. So um, you get your your snacks and you get your main and sides all included and your dessert as well. And then you know you can obviously opt for you know your wine pairing in there. But there's there's that element of um, you know everyone can sort of have something different and everyone um, can sort of have that element of okay I can still pick things but you know they're giving me an option but I'm still giving I'm still as the chef I'm still able to give the experience that I want to give as opposed to sort of you know going to your general a la carte restaurant and you know that person might not be ordering what you as a chef thinks is the experience that they should have you know so we're very lucky in that that respect to be able to do that Tell us about your uh, cooking and your food and where you're at at the moment. Do you have a dish or two you can tell us about on the menu that exemplifies you at the moment? Yeah, I think for me it's it's all all our snacks, you know, that, that go out as a series of sort of like um, introducing people's palates. I think, and I think people are most sort of surprised by that. We do like a, a small soup to start. So for some time, like because it's so hot here, we've been doing chilled soups. So we did like a chilled um, yogurt soup with herbs, summer herbs and that through there. And, and you sort of wonder how people are going to react to it. And it's everyone's like pleasantly surprised, which is beautiful because it's not something that people generally order as well. So um, sort of things like that. And I think desserts as well is something I've sort of – you know, spend a lot more time on and I'm doing like a, a, a deep fried apple pie at the moment with um, a Dubliner whiskey ice cream and caramel. Um, so this time of the year, you sort of can't go wrong with something like that. So I'm pretty, pretty into that at the moment. You're on the Sunshine Coast, surrounded by amazing produce and producers. Are there any that stand out for you? For me, probably um, probably our fish supplier, Soulfish, um, who literally is just this uh, really wicked guy who just goes out. He's got four or five boats and, you know, he's doing everything right. He's sustainable, no trawlers, you know, um, that sort of thing, and you basically take what he's got every week. So, you know, he's he's a bit of a hard case, but um, <laughs> like, you know, it's nice to know that you're you're able to sort of, um, you know, get something that's that's sustainable and that someone's putting their love into, and um, it's his true passion sort of thing. Whether you know a lot of the other suppliers, they, they give you great stuff, but it's not that element of you know, um, being in line, I suppose, with with what we're trying to do as well, being small, being a small producer and that sort of thing, which is which is pretty cool. So, yeah. You've kind of gone uh, against Trent to open a really small restaurant and during a pandemic as well. What's it been like opening a restaurant during this time? And has there been some real surprising successes for you? Mm, I think... Um, you know, it was always that risk element, you know, we were sort of looking, um, we started looking September, sort of probably August, September last year, and you're sort of still in the midst of it, and Melbourne's going through a hell of a time there with everything, and you sort of think, you know, there's always that element of, God, what would happen, you know, what is going to happen, and there's still that element of it can happen, and and we're just like, look, it's a way of, it is a way, sort of a way of life, now and for the moment and and we just have to realize we're going to have to 
deal with it and we're going to have to dig ourselves in and, and really make it work like if something does happen you know so and I think um, there's more and more people sort of sort of traveling um, to these tourist destinations at the moment um, because they can't go overseas and whatnot and 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 I think you know we have been a lot busier from that I mean even when I was working at a fairly big establishment um, along Hastings Street last year you know it felt busier than ever during a period of time during winter where Hastings Street's dead usually you know and, and those tourist areas are dead during winter but everyone's flocking um, to to these destinations because you know that's there's nowhere else to go so we we feel like we're we're doing fairly well considering and um, yeah hopefully it only only things get better for everyone else as well how important has the support of the local Noosa community been since you've opened the restaurant and has there been any sort of positive feedback that you can tell us about yeah, I mean, you know, being in a small community, I suppose you notice it a lot more. And, and once again, we're in Sunshine Beach, so it's got, you know, a real sort of local local following that area and everyone sort of um, wants to know what's going on and the new stuff that's going on and support that. Um, and so, yeah, I think we, we have people that have sort of been back 20-odd times since since we've opened. So, you know, and and then those people tell other people and then so it was, it's funny you know, you realize um you only sort of realize the power of word of mouth i think till you open your own place because you know we have all the businesses um around us you know telling everyone that comes into their their stores or their you know salons or you know whatever that we're the place to go you know, so, and we can't thank them enough, you know, like, <laughs> how do we thank them? Like, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. We've, we've had a lot of word of mouth and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, no, it's, it's inspiring. Restaurants are renowned for small profit margins. How, how do you make a success out of such a small venue? God, yeah, you've really got to be passionate about <laughs> the industry to, to open up a, a small, um, you know, any kind of restaurant, but especially um, a small establishment like we have. And, you know, I think you've only got to keep digging your toes in is what we've sort of learned and keep, you know, putting your, putting your business out there any way you can and keep telling people your story, you know, is the big part of it. Um so you can, you know, the big thing for us is we have, you know, we're sort of booked out on the days we we expect to be booked out, like your Friday, Saturday nights, and then we have to push for everything else, you know, like, you know, Thursday's good, um, but your Sundays and Mondays, the Mondays are the big ones that we need to, to get out there because, you know, a lot of Noosa is, uh, restaurants close on the Sunday, Monday, and it's pretty pretty traditional. It's, you sort of see a lot around now that people close on the Monday and people have to have a day off when they've got a small restaurant. Um, but we want to open on the Mondays for, for hospital people, you know, because that's generally their day off. So we want to be sort of known for people to be able to come here from Brisbane if they're on holiday and if they're in hospo to be able to sort of experience what they've got on on their days so so we we open open then as well but um yeah it's 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 always going to be a tough gig when it comes to you know and and having your own business is always um you know you're constantly 
understanding how it works. I mean, we've never actually done this before either. So we're like, you know, we're talking to our accountant all the time and working out, okay, yeah, that's where we're at. And, you know, we're, we're not in a bad place, but it's, it's always going to be the, the hard push. You and Jade have opened uh, your own restaurant for the first time. And now that it's been running for around a year, what is it that you love about what you're doing? I think um, it's it's super satisfying for me to know that we're able to get a story out um, that, that what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do. So bringing back that sort of old-fashioned hospitality and, and being able to touch every table and being able to probably talk to a few customers, you know, which is something that you don't don't get to do. And I think it, it's a pretty special thing when you're able to put across your story and Jade puts it out to to all the customers every day you know she's always telling our story and that's what people want to hear you know and i think um being more than just a vehicle for food is something i want to be it's like telling the story and and saying you know a bit more to it having a bit more to it having a bit more grunt to it i think is is the satisfying part of of what we're achieving i guess well, Stacey, congratulations on what you've created. Um, we've loved hearing your story today on Deep in the Weeds. Uh, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much, Anthony. It's been a pleasure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.